Welcome to Breaking Form, a podcast of poetry and culture. I'm Aaron Smith. And I am James Allen Hall. For those listening for the first time, we do this show in segments. We do literary games. We revisit books that we love. We gossip. We do. We interview. We shade. We laugh. And we are not for everyone. James, you know what? I have been needing some hot goss. <laughs> some spilled Victorian English tea. I see you've got your your tea gloves out, girl. Yes. Well, get ready to get them stained because this is fucking bizarro world. Are you ready to accompany me? I cannot wait. You I mean, know I love I, it. I, you know, the fable should always come at the end of the story, but I'm going to give it to you at the beginning. This is a story of what you can get away with when you have a shit ton of money. Oh, uh, well, you sent me the best video that said there are only four ways in the world to get rich. <laughs> uh-huh. The first one was inherit it. Yeah. And the and the mother this is a mother telling her son. A and son, she's like, yeah. and she's like, you ain't gonna <laughs> you're not getting here. For you, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, you can steal it. And she says, unfortunately, I love she's just like, you're not smart enough to steal anything <laughs> substantial. <laughs> and then she has the great one where she's like, you can work really, really hard and you make sure that nobody ever works harder than you. And then the kid's like, what's the fourth one? And she pauses and she's like, you can learn to suck a dick like you lost your keys in it. <laughs> <laughs> It was. Oh. I, if we could link to that, that is worth oh, going in the show will. notes. Yeah, oh, I amazing. will find love. Will find a way, and so will mm. sucking dick. Well, all right. So, <laughs> with that set up, I'm going to take us back to the dear, dear, gay old times of Victorian England. Okay, and I'm going to tell you the story of the poet Michael Field. Have you ever heard of Michael Field? Just name. I know nothing about Michael Field. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, I, you know, I did a um, one of my areas for my PhD. Mm. Um, your your pahood, your pahood. Well, yeah, my pahood was uh, Victorian literature. I just sort of fell in love with it, like Foucault did, like all the gays do. You know what I mean? Ooh, really nice. <laughs> Let's go, girl. And you know what? I'm dying to do one point. I want, well, weed is now legal in Maryland or will be oh, like yeah. next year. Yeah, I yeah. want you to get high. I want me to get high. And I want to do a a segment called High Theory. And I want oh, you yeah. to tell me some of your favorite theorists like Foucault. And you'll explain them to me while I'm high. It'll be yes. fun. Yes. All right. Good. So Michael Field um, was a, a poet who enjoyed like a lot of renown um, burst onto the scene with a first book of poems and um, two verse dramas that were just really highly lauded. So lauded that like everyone wanted to be their friend, including like Robert Browning, George Meredith, Walter Pater, like all, you know, all the peeps. Right. And can I just say how much I am loving the idea of a verse drama? <laughs> like it was called. They, I mean, they released two verse dramas. But I mean, this called, show, this show oh, is some verse drama. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we should I love... just call it verse drama, right? Yes, yes. Well, all right. So, but the 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 real tea is that Michael Field was actually two women. 
and they were related to each other. Catherine Harris Bradley was a tobacco heiress who was really well-educated, who lived with her older sister, Emma. And um, Emma had a daughter named Edith Cooper. Okay. Right. So here's Catherine Bradley and Edith Cooper, their aunt and niece, and they fall in love with each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> I, so I told you this was bizarre. And, world. and what are the related? It's a niece and, a, and an aunt that have fallen in love That's with each right. other. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like her sister's daughter, she was like, <sighs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was assumed the position, and the position is suffix. <laughs> they must have really loved Emily's fisting poem Wild Night. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, they were contemporaries just across the pond, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Because they were writing, they started basically falling in love with each other when they went to college together. I mean, the fact that they were going to college, like they had incredible wealth, right? They went to Smith. Anyway, <laughs> so. Um, I'm sorry, that's really funny. It's pretty good. <laughs> so they started composing together, even their private journal. They started composing collaboratively. And mm. they said that they could not tell one sentences apart from the others, even in their like private, private journals, right? Mm. Um, so they published, they decided to publish under a man's name. Michael Field. That's such. I was all, the whole time. I'm like, that is such a boring name. I'm sorry. It's I'm such like, a boring I'm name. Like Michael Field. It's like, did he make cookies? I don't know. Is he like Patricia Field's like you know like son? I don't know. I'm so like Michael Field. Okay. I don't. I don't know what it was about. There's something about like paganism with the field. They were really into like paganism, veganism, lesbianism, and incest. Yeah, and, and, inc and incestism. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so they were writing collaboratively. They wanted to like keep their gender hidden. Robert Browning, who was like a lifelong friend, outed them. And they found out because the Spectator, which was like the poetry magazine of the time, mm -hmm. like ran a review and referred to Michael Field as she. And that's when they knew the gig is up, girl. Mm. So I get I just clarifying. Yeah. You said everybody wanted to be friends with him. Like, so nobody really knew him except um, Robert Browning knew it was two sisters, but he didn't know they were Michael Field until he discovered it. Yeah, two relatives, right? Um, okay. So, no, they were, I mean, they were friends through like pen pals, right? They were okay, so they weren't really hanging out. Not until after. So, um, girl, what tobacco money could get you even then? You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Because they, they were like an open secret. Like everybody knew that they were like in love with each other. They were writing these incredible poems, verse dramas, the poems, people criticized them. Even like Yeats criticized them as like mannered. They were very old school, very influenced by Sappho, obviously. Um, and so they were sort of like out of step with their time a little okay. bit. Fast forward to like 1900. They get a dog. Oh, God. No, <laughs> I'm nervous already. <laughs> I know. I can't help you. I can't help you oh, with this God. story. Oh, God. Okay. They, uh, they write a book about this dog. The dog's name is Wim Chow. Okay. W H Y M. 
and then chow obviously because it's chow okay wim chow colon flame of love and that's so the, the book title that's the book title it's devoted okay. to their beloved dog who um they believe was the embodiment of the holy ghost <laughs> And so, <laughs> oh, right. As, as one as, does, as, as an incestuous relationship couple does, they believe the Holy Ghost is inside their dog. They start writing these lesbian poems about Mary, the mother of God. But they're still having like incestual relationship. Yes, God. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Literally, yes, God. It's all bizarre world. So, well, anyways, in 1906, the dog it gets suddenly like paralyzed, and so they have to euthanize him. Mm -hmm. And so they converted the to dog's Roman probably relieved, like, thank God I'm getting away from this mess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's sad, right? Like the dog mm -hmm. dies. The women were so devastated that they converted to Roman Catholic Catholicism in order, in hopes that they would be reunited with the dog after they both died, which happened soon after 10 years, less than 10 years after they both died of cancer, like nine months apart. When they thought that the dog was the embodiment of the Holy Spirit, what religion did they? They were pagans. They were like, oh, they didn't convert until after the dog died. Like they, they believed the Holy Spirit was in the dog, but they're like, we're just going to let this play out. We're going to stay right. pagan in our field. Right. Yeah, but they were pagan athletes. They were like, you know, um, like Oscar Wilde's of the time, okay. right? Pleasure for pleasure's sake and all of that. Okay. Sake. Right. So, well, um, I think for me, honestly, like, I think the whole story would be kind of amazing if there weren't incest. Oh, 100%. Like, you don't, you know, like, it were like these two cool lesbians. They were like writing in this world that's male dominated. I mean, even the dog is like kind of fucked up. It'd be kind of like a great anecdote later. You know? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, I think the Holy Spirit's in our dog. I mean, that's, you know, crazy, but I still think the story would be kind of amazing if it wasn't for this deeply, deeply troubling um, aspect. And it's so weird that they weren't ostracized. I mean, again, the money. The the moral being what tobacco money will get you, girl, mm -hmm. what marble will look away from, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that's the hot gossip about Michael Field. So, and you like some of the poems. I do, actually. Okay. I mean, I think because they're so, I mean, I'm fascinated by them because they are so openly erotic, lesbian, mm -hmm. uh, like homoerotic, mm -hmm. um, about women's, um, sexuality with each other for instance um one of them writes women can give joy to women they can rejoice to see the bridegroom with the bride and depart uncaressed <laughs> hey so recently you lost your dog alice Yes. Um, Who was 12 years old? She was 12. She was born the day before me on June 5th in 2010. And I lost her. I mean, it's just Thursday and I lost her on Sunday. Um, so it's still really fresh. November 6th. Yeah. yeah. I'm. It's like I go back and forth between telling people the story and weeping through it. 
or being able to tell the story and just like dissociate, I guess. Like, I think my whole life's been a form of dissociation. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, right. hi. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're friends. And um, yeah, like I'd mentioned on here before, like she had allergies and things like that. And she had, but she'd started having heart problems probably a year ago. And it ended up being like, um, congestive heart failure, which they were keeping her on heart medicine, and then um, had to take her to the vet. She was having, you know, other other things. She was passing blood. Um, and yeah. then she had, um, they found a tumor in her lung. Mm. And right. for anyone who's lost a pet, we're going to talk a little bit about this and we're going to read a few poems, um, you know, honoring pets. So if you have like a fresh loss, this may, may not be for you, but I also am there with you. So um, it's all just sort of in the spirit of thinking about, you know, these uh, amazing creatures. So yeah, I woke up on Sunday morning and everything had just changed. I could just tell that she, I don't know, something had, um, like her body couldn't do it anymore. And um I don't know if you would have told me two years ago about losing her, I would have thought, Oh God, how do you do it? And I was still thinking that, but what happens is like, there's a pathway, like this happens and then this happens and this happens. And then you realize that you're the one who makes this decision. And it's like, you hear it all the time, like like you're like, oh, this is like the the most loving thing you can do, and like I never understood that until I had to do it. Um, yeah, but there's also a part where they don't know it's coming, which is the 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 gift, and then also the the heartbreaking aspect, the curse too. But I yeah. do believe that she knew that um, it was it was time for her to say goodbye to me. Um, I think she was holding on for me and I know that doesn't make sense. And I'm just going to say this through all of this. And I think this is the part of me that's like uber worrying and uber self-conscious is I'm always trying to think, well, we've talked about this as queer people, what everyone else might be thinking, what everyone else might be thinking. Oh yeah. I have to yeah, think, yeah. Well, how are they judging my grief or this is just an animal to some people. And I told mm -hmm. my students, I said, they're too, types of people in the world there are people who can see an animal and be like oh like cool there's love that that creature exists and you don't have to want a pet but you can just see them and see them in the world and then there are people who can fuck themselves and die <laughs> like, like i mean it <laughs> i know i caught you off guard but i mean it like you did i was like what like i'm so <laughs> right. tired of like i know there are people who are like yeah. Oh my God, I don't want to see another dead animal tribute on you know Facebook. And I'm like, well, you know, as a queer person, this is just another example of people telling me what love I'm allowed to consider valid in my life. Right. So, so sure. fuck you. Um, so that's my yeah. anger. But I will say mm -hmm. people have been absolutely um fantastic to me. Um, I had amazing friends, uh, Matt and Doug, who sent me flowers, which Mm. made me cry in the good way like after so much crying um you know in the in the really hard way but um the vets were all angels they i told yeah. you um from the beginning to the end it was all women and i think you said like how can it not be you know right. and just from yeah. the very moment and um 
you know, she had her personality up to the end. And I think that's a really hard mm-hmm. part because it's like, they're so them and they're so trusting. Um, but then she went to sleep in my arms and that mm-hmm. was, you know, the way that she left. Which is also a gift and terrible. I've been crying all week. So the mm-hmm. fact that I'm not now is probably that I'm just dissociating or well you're trying to make it sense for an audience like i finally told my sister i said i can't talk to you anymore because every time i talk to you i just start weeping (laughs) it's like Mm. and i've cried on the phone with our friend david trinidad friend of the show with maureen seaton who is just extraordinary you know you you've talked to me you know miguel murphy like just different people my friend nancy and i have, have tried to talk you know she texted me and um yeah and i had i had alice since she was eight weeks old and i got her until she was 12 and it was a profound um relationship this creature that slept beside me every night for years she helped you through the passing of your she mom. helped me through the passing of my mom she helped me through one of the worst fights i ever had with my mom where like our whole entire history came crashing into one moment and i remember she was sitting beside me on the couch like eating a bone you know, just mm-hmm. witnessing she's the best, she was the best secret keeper um, mm-hmm. ever. And there's a few poems that when I think about dogs and we have many, or there's many we've considered, but mm-hmm. there's a few that I, that there's two that I want to read. And I know James is going to read one. And this is just sort of to honor, I don't know, another kind of love in our life and to honor yeah. this, this amazing animal that just, God, she was such a diva and sort of just a big bitch in such an amazing way. Like she, we fought all the time and she always won. Um, And I remember when I met her, I was fucking scared (laughs) as shit of her. She would not let me near you at all. And yeah. And when she was here, you were here, you visited in in August and I got to spend some time with her. And I was really, I'm really glad for that because she was regal and sweet. And demanding as mm-hmm. fuck. And <laughs> she wanted her belly rubbed 24 7. And you know, when we were there, I was in an amazing room with the couches. It wasn't a, a cold table. And she was standing up wanting her belly rubbed on that last day. And I, of course, mm-hmm. I did it. And the, and the nurse is like, oh my gosh. I'm like, that's a signature move. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a signature move. And yeah, I mean, just, just that passing and, and thinking yeah. of her, um, I don't know, just getting to be with me and and to hopefully have my my smells and i was just smelling her and paying attention and and just trying to be there for her and this poem by jane kenyon always has moved me and it's called biscuit and it's very short the dog has cleaned his bowl and his reward is a biscuit which i put in his mouth like a priest offering the host i can't bear that trusting face he asked for bread expects bread and i in my power might have given him a stone mm. and it's like that poem has always been and that that's the trusting nature that um is everything and then also unbearable and of course i always i had the guilt like i'm tired am i just giving up on her and then it occurred to me like she doesn't have to get to the bottom of her existence and be screaming in pain because she was yelping sometimes and I lifted her up. 
she couldn't sleep. She was taking pain. Medicine. Yeah. And then she got where she couldn't keep it down. So I had no way yeah. she would throw up or I'd put it on the food and she couldn't right. keep it down. The thing the vet said to me was like, she was so great. She's like, if you're tired, imagine how tired she is. So like everything that happened was like an opening in a, in a way that I experienced the world. I mean, I got her her ashes yesterday and I sat on the bench outside and, and wept. I mean, I've literally wept all over like North shore, Massachusetts. I've wept in Cambridge and I've wept, you know, in the car, I, you name it, wherever I've been, I've been crying. And, and there is something that opened for me, even letting go of her. I was like, that was the hardest thing that I've done. I mean, they're different, but it was right up there with losing my mom. Well, I was just going to say, Aaron, that part of what you're going to experience is re-grieving your mom. Mm -hmm. And I really, I mean, I believe that Alice waited until November because she knew what you went through in October a few years ago. Octobers have been horrible. And horrible um, for you. And what happened too was I lost her on Sunday and then Tuesday I got the page proof for the new book, which was all about... <laughs> Just kind of like what you're, what happened with the old book and your mom. Yeah, mom died. Mom died a week after the first, the last book came out. Right. And now Alice died on Sunday and I got the page proof on Tuesday. But the one gift with that is I was able to put her birth and death date in the book, mm -hmm. which was like, because it, it literally was like due, you know, like they got it. Yeah. And, right. and then I have, you know, my our friend Tommy, my friend Elise, and um Miguel all took the book and proofread it for me because I just mm. I didn't think I could do it. So I mean I've just had this amazing yeah. support that has meant a lot. And also I have a puppy named Pocket who is still so happy to yeah. see me that it literally like, you know, like I'm sad and then she's like, That's great, but you're gonna pull on the toy. <laughs> because <laughs> i need to <laughs> like, play like, you're gonna cry and i'm also gonna pull on the toy and you're gonna cry while i'm pulling on the toy so um right. but i didn't know like sort of what a, a comfort that would be as well you have a poem you're going to share that i'm going to share one more you have a great poem sure. by paisley by paisley rectal yeah it's called once whitefield and the dog dashing past me into the blank toward the nothing or not running anymore, but this idea of him still in his gold fur being what I loved him for first, so that now on the blankets piled in one corner of the animal hospital where they brought him out a final hour, two, before the needle with its cold pronouncements, he trembles with what he once was breath and muscle puncturing the snow sudden stetting over the tips of the meadows buried grasses after what was it a rabbit field mouse dashing past me on my skis for the first time faster as if he had been hiding this his good uses what a shock to watch what you know unfold deeper into or out of itself. It is like loving an animal, hopeless 
an extravagance we were meant for, startled continually by what we're willing to feel. The tips of the grasses high in the white, and the flat light, drops of water on the gold coat, the red, the needle, moving in, then out, and now the sound of an animal rushing past me in the snow. God, it's so good. I love the beginning white field, just uh, like no no verb there, just white field, lowercase in media res as if the it's rushing past mm-hmm. you, like the ending. She's terrific. There, David Trinidad said to me, there's an intimacy you have with animals that you can't have with people. When I knew I was going to take her, I, I put her in the car and on the way over, I told her the story of her life. I just wanted her to know. And like from the first day that I saw her and the little face that she made and where we went and, and the thing, you know, over and over that, you know, different things that had happened. And um, that day too, she also just laid her head on the pillow on the couch. And it was like, she was just so tired. And, you know, there's a picture I have on Facebook, the one that just kills me to look at. Um, like I, I look and then I kind of can't look at it. Like, okay, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't fall off. I started crying with my students a little bit. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. you know, and now here I sit laughing. People are like, sure. But again, that's me judging my grief. That's me judging how I, how I approach things. I want to read this one poem by Bruce Weigel. This is from his book, What Saves Us. And it's called May. And that's the name of his dog in the poem. I wanted to stay with my dog when they did her in. I told the young veterinarian who wasn't surprised. Shivering on the chrome table, she did not raise her eyes to me when I came in. Something was resolved in her, some darkness exchanged for the pain. There were a few more words about the size of her tumor and her age and how we wanted to stop her suffering or our own or stop all suffering from happening before us. And then the nurse shaved May's skinny leg with those black clippers. She passed the needle to the doctor, and for once I knew what to do and held her head against mine. I cleaved to that smell and lied into her ear that it would be all right. The veterinarian, whom I'd fought about when to do this thing, said through tears, that it would take only a few minutes, as if that were not a long time, but there was no cry or growl, only the weight of her in my arms, and then on the world. Goodbye, Alice. (laughs) 